Authors Over 50, Writing in Life's Sweetest Third. Authors Over 50's weekly podcast celebrates writers and their journeys to publication. Writing after 50 is a whole story on its own, so let's skip to Life's Sweetest Third and talk with authors about their journey from pen to publish. Welcome, I'm Julia Daly, your host, and I invite you to listen to interviews with writers who've achieved their goal of publishing a book just later in life. We've seen award lists for under 30 or under 40, but I've yet to see lists for those who've achieved a significant milestone of their own, launching a new career and publishing their first book after the age of 50. We will hear about these authors' inspirations, struggles, strategies, and the smell of that first book. These writers' journeys inspire me because I'm one of them. My guest today was the caregiver for her husband who suffered from multiple sclerosis. As his disease worsened, he progressed from dragging one foot when walking to being confined to a wheelchair unable to move his legs. During his illness, my guests learned the hard lessons of caregiving and their love and intimacy grew. In one of the poignant scenes from her book, her husband had an encounter with dragonflies, an experience that gave him hope and strength for the future. Her memoir, Watching for Dragonflies, A Caregiver's Transformative Journey, offers inspiration and companionship to caregivers as they learn how she countered adversities and gained guidance through dreams, spiritual practices, and psychological growth. Welcome to Authors Over 50, Suzanne Marriott. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Suzanne, our opening question on Authors Over 50 is always, so what took you so long to write a book? Well, as you mentioned, uh, I was the caregiver for my husband, and uh, he suffered from multiple sclerosis for 10 years. And so I... During that time, I kept journals, uh, 12 overall, and uh, they were very uh, thorough and detailed. So it wasn't until after his death, and I was I did have a therapist, I was taking my journal entries to her and reading them. And she said, you know, I think these would be useful for other caregivers. So uh, consider writing a book. And so it took me that long um, after my husband's death, quite some time after that, that I actually started writing a book based on my journals. And um, I wrote for many, many years uh, and revised and so forth. So um, that's what took me so long. It just... uh, it, it just wasn't the right time. And then I had to integrate everything that had happened and uh, finally turn it into a book. Well, the grieving process continues, I know, but it certainly it needed to put a little distance between that and and the poignant memories, I'm sure, in your book. Definitely. Yes. And even now, when I read some passages, I, I tear up. I'm sure. Yeah. 
Well, you truly gave all during your husband's life. And this is a story that seems to play out every day across the world with elderly parents, spouses, and even children. How did you create a loving environment, even though it was such a difficult situation? Well, throughout our marriage, we had had power struggles, um, arguments. And I realized that when my husband was diagnosed with MS, that that had to change. Um, our environment had to be more peaceful, more loving, more accepting, more trustful. And uh, I worked on that. And I, uh, one of the things I worked on was becoming less reactive and more responsive so that I responded appropriately to situations rather than reacting from old patterns. And there were old patterns that went back to my childhood. And of course I was also in therapy, which helped. And uh, as I changed, my husband changed and uh, because the situation changed. So gradually over time, we built up trust, our love increased, our intimacy increased, and it became a shared journey. Well, that's a message for all of us, not just caregivers and, you know, all of us in marriages and partnerships uh, need to learn from that message. Well, it wasn't easy, but it was certainly worthwhile. Once you wrote the book, how did you proceed? Did you search for an agent, decide to choose a hybrid, a small press, or did you self-publish? Well, and originally, um, I was looking to go the traditional route. Uh, I looked online for an agent. I subscribed to Writer's Digest, so I read their uh, articles, and uh, they always have a featured agent. Um, I don't think I actually queried one of those, but it was inspirational. And... um, So I did do some uh, querying on my own of both agents and publishers who accepted unsolicited uh, queries. And I went to some writing conferences. One was the LA Writers Conference. And uh, I thought I had an agent at that point. Um, She was very interested in my book. And then after the uh, convention, we were emailing and she realized that she was um, overextended and could no longer put, uh, support, um, represent me. So at that point, I decided I would go with a hybrid publisher. And I belong to a writing group here where I live called CR Writers. And uh, I had heard some very good things about She Writes Press, which is a hybrid publishing company. So I um, looked into that, applied. Um, They don't accept everyone. So it was a competitive uh, uh, application and I was accepted. And uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing the hybrid publishing route. Well, She Writes Press is highly respected in the industry and they create such a wonderful community of women um, who stay in touch with each other and encourage each other. I found that to be true. We have uh, private Facebook groups. Um, 
where uh, we're called a cohort group, those of us who are publishing at the same time. So we um, put up out questions, answers, comments of things that are relevant to each one of us, but op often to all of us. And uh, so it's it's a very supportive environment. Brooke Warner is uh, the publisher and uh, she's wonderful. We have, I have, we each have, I have a project manager, as do all of us, who sees us through the whole process. So she's always available by email. And uh, it's, I had no idea really how complicated and time consuming this was going to be, but I, I know now. <laughs> So I'm really glad to have my project manager shepherding me through this whole process. It's so nice to have a partnership. And that sounds like a wonderful structure to to have uh, support you. Yes, I really appreciate it. You mentioned writing journals. Had you always been a journal writer? A lot of our writers have kept journals since they were children. Or did you just start when your husband became ill? No, I, I always, as far back as I can remember, it was a diary when I was younger, especially in high school. Um, I've read some of those entries. Are, <laughs> it's fun to go back. but uh, um, So I've always um, been a writer, either in journals or writing poetry, writing just essays or just whatever comes uh, into my head. Um, I, lo I love to write. I was at one point a grant proposal writer too uh, for my school district. I, that was what I did for, I was a teacher. And at the end of my uh, career, I was the grant proposal writer for my district and very successful, I'm, I'm happy to say. So that really helped me with the economy of language that and reading Hemingway. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've, I've written in very many different uh, modalities. Can you describe the editing process that you use to edit your book? I had two developmental editors um, and and they, well, kind of three because one was my, I started out um, taking my early writings uh, on, on my caregiving journey to Linda Joy Myers. And uh, she's a, a wonderful writer herself and a teacher. And uh, so I started out bringing my writings to her. It was a very small group that she had uh, meet in her house. And so that began my journey of writing this into uh, a, so a coherent book. And then I had a developmental ed editor. Um, we communicated back and forth through track changes. And uh, she helped me a great deal, especially with uh, things like, well, where are we in time here? Uh, bring your reader up to uh, up, up to speed here. And she was very helpful with, with many of the details. And then I uh, twice have been to San Miguel de Allende for writing workshops and conferences. And I spent about a month there working, uh, taking uh, classes, and uh, one of them was with a woman who I later hired to be a, a developmental editor. So she helped me more in crafting my book. And then uh, after that, I actually did some more changes and uh, ended up with the book that will be published. 
Well, I've always wanted to go uh, to that location in Mexico. I just hear that it's just wonderful with all the craftsmen and artists and expats who live there now. Yes, it's a wonderful place to visit. And they do have a writing convention every year. Was there anything that you edited out of your book that didn't make the cut? Um, some things I found to be extraneous that didn't really uh, move the book forward, uh, that didn't really need to be there. Uh, but for pretty much, I didn't cut much. Um, one of the things I left in were, were my mistakes because all caregivers are going to make mistakes. And uh, so I whitewashed nothing. I uh, I just laid it all out there with my mistakes, my vulnerabilities, my um, thoughts of uh, negative thoughts, uh, all those things. I, I, I didn't cut any of that because I wanted to be human. I wanted to appeal to other caregivers and let them know that uh, what I could do, if I could do it with all my vulnerabilities and uh, mistakes, they could too. And I learned, I learned from those mistakes. I think that's so important to really show the raw side of, of things and not sugarcoat them because that's exactly what those other caretakers are going to go through. So I'm sure they really appreciate your, your vulnerability and your, your candor there. Well, thank you. Set us up a, a section to read uh, from your book so that we can hear your tone and voice. Okay, I think I'd, I'd like to read uh, the part about dragonflies to show um, how central they are and, and why they're included in, in my uh, title. So uh, this selection comes at a time when Michael, my husband, uh, was walking with two canes. Well, actually they were two hiking poles because we used to hike. So he used his hiking poles, his, his legs were compromised. Uh, he had difficulty walking, could not walk for a long period of time, but he did use those two hiking poles. His arms still worked. And uh, he had many, many remissions so during that time, we took trips and we did fun things. And at one point we uh, bought a small RV secondhand. And so this was on a trip in our RV when we traveled up the coast of California and we stopped on the Eel River. And uh, so this is a time um, when we were camping in a campground, a state campground on the Eel River and um, he was walking with his canes. We spent the majority of our time on the river. Michael finds that as long as most of his body is covered by cool water, he does well. In fact, he even feels he can walk almost normally because the water keeps his legs cold and his body temperature down. He wears a hat and dark glasses to protect his head and face from the heat of the sun. The river is, fairly, is a fairly short distance across at this point, and Michael can easily walk to the other side on his own 
without using his hiking poles. While I'm experimenting with swimming against the gentle current and letting it carry me back to where I started, I notice Michael has been standing on the opposite bank for quite some time. I go over to him. What are you doing? I'm watching the dragonflies, he tells me. I notice there are a host of dragonflies flitting among the reeds that, that grow along the bank. We both stand transfixed, watching their transparent wings reflect the sunlight, transforming them into prisms of iridescent color. They're creating a miniature light show as they dart and twist, abruptly turning and changing direction. There, standing side by side in the still water, our bodies touch and our love flows gently between us. Despite his disability, he has walked across the river on his own, and he's excited to share his reward with me, the wonder of dan dancing dragonflies. In the years to follow, dragonflies will become a powerful symbol for Michael, a transformative symbol of strength and renewal a symbol of being whole. That's very lovely, Suzanne. Thank you. Does your family support your career as a writer? What did they think about this book? <laughs> well, unfortunately, my parents are deceased. Um, I have three stepchildren that were uh, uh, from Michael's first marriage. And they lived with us from the time they were four, seven, and 10. There was a mixed reaction as often happens when one writes a memoir. So only one of those three stepchildren, stepdaughters, um, wants to be in the book or is okay with being in the book. Uh, the other two would prefer not to, although I, uh, refer to them very generally you, towards the end and at the very beginning, uh, they don't figure really individually in the book, but, but the youngest one does, she was a great help to me. They were all a great help to me during the, during this time. Well, I think that's why I chose to make my story fiction. I, I wove a thread of memoir through it, but Sometimes um, our stories are are played out in other people's lives and they don't want to be mentioned in those stories. You know, sometimes those are their stories to tell. So I know memoir can be uh, quite touchy sometimes. That's true. <laughs> Very true. Do you have any other books in you? Are you going to continue to write? Well, I'm also a travel writer. Um, so I have an ebook out. It's, it's about the time after my husband's death, um, finding wholeness through travel. Um, and um, so that's available. I have written uh essays on what we call deep travel, 
uh, where I um, see travel often for me as a spiritual journey and travel to places like the Yucatan uh, where I found spiritual renewal. Um, so um, one, at least one of my stories is on a wonderful uh, website called um, Your Life is a Trip. And uh, Judith Fine is, is the editor of that. And she was also my travel writing teacher uh, for two classes I took in the Lower Yucatan. That's so interesting. I love to travel. What do you think was the best money you've ever spent as a writer? Well, hopefully the money I'm spending now, <laughs> which is uh, not uh, a small amount for She Writes Press. For the hybrid publishing? The hybrid publishing. Mm -hmm. And then I will be, uh, well, I have hired a publisher, uh, Books Forward, so that'll be another expenditure. Sure. Do you believe in writer's block? Do you ever have writer's block? I don't know if I would call it so much as as uh, just uh, not writing. <laughs> I, I've never sat down to write and, and found I couldn't. Um, but I do have periods of time where I just procrastinate or just... Uh, do other things. Um, do you think writing energizes you or exhausts you? Well, it, it's satisfying. Um, so I, I suppose I would say it's energizing. Uh, grant writing used to exhaust me because it would working with deadlines, although I do work best with deadlines. Um, but um, no, I, I find writing a very positive experience. I did grant writing in a career as well. And and sometimes you get so excited about it because it's kind of like hitting the lottery when you win one of those grants. <laughs> wonderful. It's especially working for the school district. And it, it was so wonderful, the uh, advantages uh, and enrichment it brought to the students and to the teachers. So it's very rewarding. Well, Suzanne, our last interview question is always, our writers over 50 are quite unique. Do you have any advice for writers 50 and above? Well, I would say it's not too late. And uh, if you have a message that you want to get across, uh, do it. Um, and... Uh, don't uh, let naysayers stop you. You have to tune into your own inner wisdom. And also uh, revise, revise, revise. Very true and very good advice. And we just thank you for, for paying it forward, for using your personal experience to help other caregivers. We're all at that age now where we're going to either be a caregiver or need a caregiver. And so we just appreciate your your willingness to uh, put your experience out there. So thank you so much. And thank you for being with us today because now we can say you're one of our authors over 50. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. 
Thank you for joining us today. Please look for Authors Over 50 every Thursday when we will have conversations with accomplished debut novelists over the age of 50. Please subscribe and share with a friend. And check out my own publication journey after 50 at www.juliadaily, that's D-A-I-L-Y, like dailynewspaper.com. Until next time, keep reading and writing. And remember, it's never too late to fulfill a dream in life's sweetest third.